One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. What's, uh, so we touched on it with the Alan Thompson one. So, Red in the final. Yeah. They come out like Brazil. Yeah. 2 no down. Couldn't get near them. Could not get near them. I mean, they looked like they were scoring every opportunity, wasn't it? They were slicing us open at will, and and we couldn't. We just we just couldn't get to grips with them. We couldn't, and for whatever reason, uh, I mean, Jimmy Quinn was the player manager at the time for for them. What a player he was, you know, yeah. a good finisher, good footballer. But you had them playing the right way, and they had threats all over the park, and f- for love nor money, we just couldn't get going, and it got to the stage where two 0 down. And, and it wasn't like us as a team. We were arguing amongst ourselves. You know what I mean? We were having a go. At Probably because you've had it all, your own way that season. And <sighs> I they, don't, they did batter us, didn't they? They did. And but again, arguing with ourselves and having a go. And, and it, that, that's not us. That's not what we do. That wasn't our team. You know what I mean? Mm. Our team was encouragement. It was helping each other. It was working for each other. And if you were having a bad day, work a bit harder and help him because it might be you next week. So, yeah. 2-0 down, then the penalty. I mean, for God's sake. Right, it's going to be three now. Finished then. And it's finished. You, you think to yourself, two, yeah, we get a goal back, we're in it. Got a chance. But three, nah, done. So the boys there put the ball down and you're thinking, come on, Branny. Come on, Branny. Come on. Sit and Branny. Magnificent save. And he saved it and it's went back into play. And big stubs in that, they're all in on it. They've managed to get like a block on it. That's right. Over the bar, the rebounds. Sparks us up. Gone it? out for a corner, and the fans just went. Well, that was scored. I remember being. But it was like, it was like somebody had just slapped you across the face and woke you up. Yeah, and yeah. all of a sudden it was right. That's it. But that save, you know, that save changed the the whole direction of this football club's history. And I don't think Branny has ever really got the credit for that. No. It's mostly always the goal scorers, isn't it? it well, but he was, honestly, best goalkeeper I've played with. There's no doubt about that. I mean, magnificent. But what a save at such an important time. So we've started now to get a bit of play. 15 minutes to go in, in the first half, and we've got a bit of play. We've started to build things a little bit. Next minute, referees blues. It's half time. So now like that right let's go if you if you look back you see everybody sprinting off the pitch 
don't hang about and that was sprinted off the pitch, right? Got into the dressing room and that's when it started. It was then, it was right. And we're going round. And there was a type of team, Liam, that honestly, there was 15 captains in that dressing room. Do you know what I mean? They were all men, proper men. And if somebody got you by the throat and, and said, come on, get a grip, and you would take it as it was, right? But that was it. And I remember, it seemed like a, a good few minutes, whereas we had been in there and started going round every, come on, you need to do better than that. You need to do better. Come on, we need to get going. Colin Todd and the, and the, and the boss had stayed outside. They hadn't come in purposely. They'd mm. let us, they knew we'd police it and we knew we'd, we'd sort things out as well. So after two or three minutes, and then he comes in, and we're thinking, right, we're going to get a right blast here. He's going to paint the walls with us here. But he didn't. He comes in. Cool. Just comes in and he goes, right, come on. Terrible start. Some of the defending, some of the closing down, everything else to start with. It's been shocking. We haven't done ourselves justice in that first 45 minutes. We now have got 45 minutes that's going to define our season. It's going to define some of your guys' futures. It's, it is. I mean, it is. Because... Simple as that, we're either going into the Premier League or else we're in the Championship for another year. But this is an opportunity we can't slip by because we don't know what will happen next year. And he, and he spoke to us really, really well, went through a few individuals and, and did this, but never raised his voice. And it was all about, listen, you've got 45 minutes. That's your season. All the work you've put in, all your sacrifices, all your family sacrifices, all your families are here. You've got 45 minutes to put it right. So and we all did. It's a mountain to climb, but you can do it. And we've come out and then started to play our football. And and that was it, really. And we've gone on. And I didn't realise, you know, it was only really recently. I always thought we scored quite early in the second half. It was no. the 75th minute. That's right. You know, so it was getting squeaky bum time, wasn't it? Because we had, we had created quite a few chances and we, we had, had played really well, but... You know, without hitting the back so of the net. Fabian as well, scored him with the pace, but probably he's all the game anyone will ever remember, really, wasn't it? But what a game to be remembered <laughs> by. I mean, it was one of them. Listen, we bought him for four hundred thousand pounds, and if you're if you're honest, didn't really kick on. Didn't didn't really kick on, but it was worth it just for that game yep. alone. And first goal, I remember. Uh, Got the ball, I got the ball short, I think, from a free kick, wide right. I did a little sort of spin, and I beat Jilks, who was probably the fastest man in football at that time, the left back. And don't ask me where it came from, but I beat him, got down the line, whipped the ball to the back post, and there was Owen Coyle. And Owen never scored many with his head, but he got above the defender. What a header, top corner, and that's got erupted the place. You can't, I won't say we, the ball were getting sucked into. Yeah. It felt like I it. even think then watching the Reading fans and the players knew they what were, were coming. They were expecting it then. And then the second goal, I always remember, I mean, the, the power and the I mean Maketeer, the running, the power, you know, he could he could run for days. But big stubs he gets the ball inside our own eighteen yard box and he runs out of defence with the ball and he runs past a couple of players and the power and the pace he's shown at that stage in the game. And I think he played the ball to Tomo, and then Tomo kind of threaded it through to Defreitas, and he's finished it. And what a finish! 
in the far corner, and as it's gone into the stanchion, it bounces up and sticks in the goal. That's right, yeah. Yeah? What a goal. I mean, that's... So 2-2. Two, two. 90 minutes, game finishes, 2-2, two, two, and we're right in. Now, we're on the ascendancy. They're hanging on. We know that. Uh, third goal, I think I remember it came in, came to the back post. I headed it back across, and big mix you, pixie spot, header, into the corner, 3-2. Fabian then gets the one off the keeper, doesn't he? Yeah. And it, and it was always a question whether it was a handball or whatever. I, I because, think he had a scoop. Because it, it, I think there was a little yeah, scoop it, there. It, it kind of went in between his legs and he kind of scooped out and then a, a side foot finish. And then, so 4-2. Jimmy Quinn then scores probably the best goal of the game. Great header. No, it was a bullet. Oh, sorry. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Branny just stood like that and the, the things ended up in the top corner. I mean, you didn't even see it. And so 4-3, but then at the final whistle, that was it. I mean, uh, eruptions. And not just that, then we go back to the hotel, afterward, back to the hotel, and you see Sir Nat sitting there with a the tro playoff trophy full of champagne, and we're sitting there drinking out of it. And I remember getting interviewed on the pitch, and it was Owen Coyle, Sir Nat, and myself, Dave Higson. Ding the, dong. Ding dong, on the pitch, getting interviewed. And Sir Nat's kissing me on the cheek, and honest to God, never seen him so happy. It was just magic. I'm gonna—I don't want to put a sour note on it. So you want to know? And so after the full-time whistle, Bruce got interviewed. Are you leaving? Going to Arsenal? And ran off. Yeah. Were you all aware of this? Yeah, you was. The the day before the game, because we as a team. Well, obviously, you, you saw everyone in the press and you saw all the all the speculation that, that was surrounding the boss at the time. And you thought, I hope not. Do you know what I mean? I hope he doesn't move and we hope not. So anyway, the day before, at, at our hotel in London, the chairman had, had come, obviously was down there as well. And I was club captain at the time. So the chairman's got me and he goes, can we go for a walk? And I went, hey, no problem. So we went for a little walk and he says, look, tell the boys that everything's okay. Premiership? Yeah. Hard, hard season. Bruce left. Bruce has left. Uh, Colin Todd and Roy McFarland are made joint managers, uh, which was really difficult. Uh, and not from the point that they're both, they were both great guys, both fantastic men. That wasn't the issue. The issue was who was the real manager? You know, who's the go-to? Who's the go-to, because... Well, you've already said Gaffer, Bruce, the main man, because you sit to this day. You need a leader, don't you? Yeah, and, you know, the players felt like, well, who's who do we go to? Because the, the feeling was amongst the players, if we go and speak to Roy, then we're undermining Colin. If we go to Colin, we're undermining Roy. And it seemed like, at the time, on the training ground... Roy would set out some cones, Colin would set out some cones, and we would all be waiting in the morning, and the players would say to me, well, where do we go? What ones do we go to? Where do we go? Right it wasn't, it, right it, it wasn't, and do you know something? Roy was the nicest man in the world. He was brilliant, he really was. And through no fault of his own or no fault of Colin's, it just wasn't working. You know, and... Was it a hard season, that? Losing a lot and... It was a hard coming season. Coming from, yeah. you've been going this way, this way, yeah. this way... And then boom. It was a hard season from the point of view that 
I think we gave teams too much respect as well. I think we were given because we changed everything. We changed our formation. Because in the cup runs, no one wanted to come to Burnham Park. No, they didn't. And I've, I, even us, the fans, I thought it ended up being easy pickings. Burnham Park, didn't it? Well, we, in we, the first year, the we went from playing pretty much a four-four-two to a four-five-one, and Nathan Blake had come in. Nathan was playing as a lone striker at that time. I was again playing as a wide one. I was the wide one of the the right hand side, so I was a wide one of the five. Uh, and I felt Nathan needed more support. Do you know what I mean? Because too often it was coming back too quickly. People were getting dragged out of position. Uh, we had signed Sasa Kursic. Fan's favourite, but... Did brilliant, honest to God. The, one of the most skillful players I've ever played with. Uh, could beat people at will. You know, would run, take people on. and But what would... Invariably, what would happen is that Sasa would go on a run. People would come out of their positions to support and make forward runs to support and everything else. Then it would break down. And then, more often than not, when it broke down, they would punish you because yeah. the ball would end up in the back of the net. And and that was continually happening. You know, you, people were making great runs, supporting runs, but he wouldn't really play anybody else in or, or pass to anybody else as such. It was always like for him to get a finish or to get a strike at goal or, you know what I mean, to just to keep going and beating people. Yeah. So it was tough. As low, he was a great player. Um, I, you know, I now look back on it now thinking... Fans favourite, but hard for the team. It was probably a luxury we couldn't afford to carry, Yeah, if that makes it. Because you, you never get anything defensively either out of them or, or whatever. It was all going forward. And it was all just about beating five or six men. But we made some good signings. Tagger, Perkloff. I mean, the difference being, you know, with some more experience had come in, uh, Scott Sellers. The team again had changed, but again, you know, we went to the four-five-one, which I, I felt Nathan would had a hard shift that season, you know, not getting so much support. We still had a, the odd good results as well and, and did okay, but ended up obviously end of the season relegation. But it brings up a great season. The following season, you're getting on a bit as well now, aren't you? Thirty-two. Maybe 32, 33? Yeah. Roy left, Colin in charge. How did that go down? Well, well Roy, Roy went at the turn of the year. Roy went, I think, in January. Uh, and I think we, we finished the season quite, well, better. I'm not going to yeah. say quite well, better. And we, we had a bit more of a settled side. We, we, we'd got back to our old selves to a degree, but the gap was too much to make up. You know what I mean? We didn't really get ourselves back into, into play. But finished it on a positive and so the following season, again, it was like, right, we, we had felt like, I mean, we had some unbelievable support from, obviously, from the fans and everything, and we had felt like we'd, we'd let them down. You know, we felt like we owed them one as well. So coming out the following season, we had something to prove again. But we made two good signings from Scandinavia, didn't we? Oh, listen, the boy, the, them two boys were a huge difference to us not just in, in their general play, because they were both great players, but Per France and Michael Johansson coming into the into the side, into the team, into the dressing room, they just fitted in like they'd been there for years. Spoke great English, fitted in straight away, and good boys, honest boys, you know what I mean? Good work ethic about them as well. So we've started off... 4-4-2 four, four, by any chance? Yeah. Yeah, we've got back to ourselves and, and started, I mean, the 
the goal started to flow again, people playing well, just on a great run. And, and again, the crowd right behind us, right from the word go again. And, you know, we knew at the start of the season it was going to be the last at Burnham Park as well. So we wanted to leave Burnham Park on the right manner by having a good season, being successful, because it deserved it, doesn't it? What a partnership you had with Nathan Black. Yeah. 54 goals. 54 between us. 30 for myself, 24 for Nathan. But phew, phenomenal. I've got 55 goals down here, so one of us are wrong. Well, maybe give him 25 and I'll take the 30. <laughs> give him an extra one. But no, I'm saying 54, say 55. But we 55 had a great sounds good. Great rock at the back as well, didn't we? Oh, what a defence we had. Listen, when you look at Fairclough, Taggart, Bergson, Jimmy Phillips, Scott Green, I mean, we had good defenders in there, you know what I mean, by this time, and, and a good good unit as well, and a good goalkeeper behind them, as, which is important as well. But, yeah, 50, 55 goals, I mean, a good good partnership, good strike force, feared in the league, uh, and everything going our way, really, and we romped it, if you're honest. We did. We romped 100 it. points, 100 goals, nearly. But I've got a stat for you. It's about Chris Fairclough. Probably didn't get as much praise that season yeah. for you, Nathan, probably Per Franson yeah. and Jerry, but played 51 games. Yeah. He played every league game, 46, three FA Cup games and five in the League Cup. Mr Consistency. Never, never less than a 7-8 every week. Great defender, great professional. Great guy. Love, love to this day. Love him a bit. But you and Jerry played 43 each in the league. You only missed yeah. three games each. Yeah. And I would imagine Jerry would have been a suspension. Well, you look at it. I was struggling, Liam, if I'm honest. I was struggling towards the end of the season. I was getting injections in my thigh before every game. And... But you didn't want to miss anything. You didn't want to miss a game. So whether you got... And these boys, you're talking... You go through them. John Sheridan, Tiger. Bergson, Fairclough, you know, and Thompson. You go through them all, they'll play with injuries because they didn't want to miss out on a game. They'd play week in, week out, and the consistency was there. And to have a good side, you need consistency. Got, got one for you now. How sports science is now, and they can have a save someone's playing. If they were about, would you reckon? No. No. No? No. no. You know what, you didn't give me a chance. You know no. what I'm going to say? No, don't tell me I'm not playing. I'm playing, regardless. And these boys are the same. Don't don't even Men, that, innit? don't even come out and spout the words. We're playing. Seriously, we take something serious for you not to play. Great football to watch. Proper oh. team, playing football but strong. Caught football but set pieces. Well, dangerous, won't we? Uh, yeah, there. Jerry scoring goals. Fairclough scoring goals. I mean, that season we we put six past Tottenham, didn't we? Yeah. Tottenham in the Coca Cola was yeah. it? Coca Cola Cup, League Cup, but. You, you look at it, I mean, it's proper football, proper men. Come and fight us or come and play football. Did you enjoy it? Oh, I loved it. Best time in my life. Did you know you were coming to an end a bit without to, being disrespectful? Yeah, to a degree you do. I mean, you, you, you want it to last forever, don't you? Mm. But in the back of your head, you know it's never going to last forever. It's, uh, 
But just the things, you know. I mean, that last game at Burnden Park. So 25th of April. Charlton Athletic at home. Charlton were brilliant because Charlton turned around and said... He's, they give us our... They gave us the, their, their tickets as well so that we could get more people in the ground because we knew it was such a special occasion. But to see the likes of Sir Nat, the 58 winning team, the FA Cup winning team, 58 team, Frank Worthington, you know, when all the big names, all the players that had, had played there in their careers, walking around the pitch before the game and stuff like that, you know, I mean, tears in their eyes, knowing how much it meant to people, that place with the disaster there, 33 people losing their lives, lots of sentiment there, lots of emotion. Do you miss it? I love the place, love the place to bits. But what a, a fitting send-off to win the game 4-1, you know, and and it capped off a, a just a great season. I've probably rolled over, scoring a lot of goals for three or four years then, playing yeah. for Scotland yeah. as well. Did you ever get tapped up? Or did you have a chance to go anywhere? Yeah, I mean, getting tapped up, I suppose it depends. I like this word, don't I? It depends what, what you mean by tapped up, but... Uh, yeah, I'll say one time. That the f one of the first times I, I went with uh, Scotland, and Scotland used to do a thing where every away trip, or even home trips actually, they would have a guest, and the guest would be one of the Premier League managers, would come along with the squad, and they would just observe and they'd just be there to be part of it sort of thing. And I think Craig Brown, the manager, was trying to involve the managers more so that when he was calling players up, they'd be more receptive and they'd yeah, feel yeah. more part of it. So on this trip, it was my debut, actually. It was away in Austria. So on this trip, Lou McCarry was the guest. Now, Lou McCarry was the manager of Celtic at the time. So I saw him on the plane and stuff like that. I hadn't spoke to him or whatever. Saw him on the plane, got on the team bus, got to the hotel. So when you first arrive at the hotel, everybody's there on. So like, you know who your roommate is. You're trying to get a key or this, that and the other. And he came up to me and he goes, uh, John, I wouldn't mind having a wee word with you. Like that. And I went, all right. He went, uh, tell you what, get yourself in, get yourself settled in the room and that. Maybe give us an hour. And he was looking on the thing, and there was a sort of menu on the, the lift thing. He says, I'll meet you up in the gym. I think it was on the 10th or 11th floor. He says, I'll meet you up in the gym in about an hour's time. I went, ah, no, no problem. So, our goes in, suitcase in, gets organised, everything else. Our right, nip up. Went up to the gym, and he was there. So I walked in. I went, all right. He went, eh, I'd like to sign you for Celtic. Your bio club. It was my boyhood club growing up. I'd like to sign you for Celtic. I was like, all right. He goes, uh, we're going to put a bid in. And he says, I'm interested in Owen Coyle as well. He says, I wouldn't mind having the two of you, but he says, I'm putting a bid in anyway. And you know what I mean? If we can get you and if we can get Owen, great. And whatever it is. And so he's talking away and that. And he's going, right. He hadn't been long at the club. And he was trying to change things around. Celtic were struggling at that time. And he was trying to change things around, get some of his own players in as such. And that was it, you know. So then it's in my head. A couple of days later, I'm making my debut for Scotland. Uh, we won 2-1 in Austria. I scored on my debut as well. So gone back and, you know, I'm thinking, right, waiting to see what happens and, and everything else. And, and, and nothing ever came of it because it never got past the boss. He just went. I know that, yeah. I mean, it was just 
done and dusted. So never got to the stage where, and I wouldn't anyway. I wouldn't stamp my feet and I wouldn't, I wouldn't demand it. Further down the line, it happened again when Tommy Burns was the manager. Tommy had come in for me and it was knocked back. And I knew that at that point as well, but I never went in and said, like, I want to move or you I, must I want to go. You must happy as well, though. I was happy. You were saying that you didn't there. want to miss a game playing, so... Never wanted to miss a game playing, never wanted... I mean, Celtic would be a dream at that time for me because growing up, I was, I was a Celtic supporter, obviously. But sometimes dreams are dreams, aren't they? They're meant to stay dreams. I was happy where I was. I never... I've never demanded anything. Do you know something? I'm going to say this, and this will say every club I've been at, I have never, ever once knocked on a manager's door and went in and says, I want a new contract. Never? Never, ever. I've never asked for a wage rise. I've never asked for anything. I've only ever received it when it's been given. I've never asked for one, ever. And that's with any manager I've ever played for. I've always just... My says contract. A lot about your character. No, but my contract's my contract, and and that's it. If they deem that I deserve something and give me something, then great. But I've never ever went in and demand. And I could have. I could have loads of times with Bolton. I could have went in and says, "Listen, no. I want to be the top earner, or I want to be this, or I want to be that." Not once did I do that. Never. So, thirty-four-year-old into the Reebok, body had Phil Dowden. We touched on it. We'd only go into that because Phil's a good lad, isn't it, really? Yeah. Could have stayed up, could have not, well, but you can't just blame a decision. It's no. 40 games in the season, isn't it? No. I'll take you, I'll take you into one, right? And, I, and I'll, I've never, ever said this to anybody, really, right? And I'll take you into this one. Now, Reebok, obviously, I had a great association with Reebok, right? They sponsored me, boots, kit, etc., and everything else. And at the end of the season, uh, they took me to Pakistan, now, at the time, there was a there was a big thing going on at the time, whereas Nike, Nike had had been done for underage kids working for the, in, in sweatshops sweat and, and all that sort of stuff, right? So, Reebok were quite keen to show the fact that they didn't use any underage kids working for them and everything else. So, I got asked if I would go out to Pakistan. I think it was either for four or five days, and to do some filming out there of around some of their factories and stuff like that to show that it's all on board. It's all on board. It's all up front. And I went, and I thought, ah, so I've never been there before. Ah, why not? So we flies out to Pakistan, lands in Islamabad, and gets taken to this beautiful hotel, big fancy hotel, right? And I had the presidential suite, believe it or not, right? So I've gone in there. I'm not kidding you. This is the biggest hotel room I've ever been in my life, right? And like I'm, a house massive, right? So I've gone in, there's flowers everywhere, there's all sorts of big bowls of fruit, and there's, you name it, right? They must have thought somebody was coming, by the way, right? Because honestly, God, they've, John pushed, they've, they've pushed the boy <laughs> unbelievably here, right? So I goes into this hotel, and the guy, Glenn, that was with me from Reebok said to me, right, don't do any dairy products or anything like that, because nothing that's pasteurised or, or, or whatever is out there, right? and he sees it, don't, and I'm in my mind, right, I've got to be careful what you eat. You know what I mean? It's like, and I don't like spicy food, so I'm limited anyway in what I can eat. So first day we were out, first night we were out there, nothing, tired, been a long flight, everything else, went to bed early, get up the next morning, and they had a meeting. And 
where we where we were having to go to from Islamabad was about four and a half hours, and we had to go up through the mountains, and there was these parts where there wasn't any sort of proper roads, and there was all sorts, right? And they were giving us a sort of briefing and saying, if anything happens, stay in the cars, don't get out, because there's bandits and all up in these mountains and all that, and you can get hijacked and all sorts, right? So if anything ever happens, don't leave the car, stay in the car at all times. So now I'm thinking, wait a minute here. I don't. You've gone for a little... Uh... I've come out for a bit of a jolly, right? <laughs> and now I'm getting told we might get hijacked going up through these mountains and everything else. And I'm thinking, well, for God's sake. So we get to this town called Shalcott. And we get shown. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Around all these places, right? There was different factories for different things. Footballs was in this factory. Uh, strips and bibs and all were in this factory, and it was all sorts. And then there was the way they did things. It was just unbelievable, right? To see it actually, because you never think about how's a football made. Do you know what I mean? What did the, what's the process? How does it happen? Everything else. So got this tour around these places, and everyone's fine. And cut long story short, drove back through the mountains again, back to Islamabad. The following morning, I've ordered this big breakfast, right? And it's everything. I've got, so I've got like a full cook, like a full English breakfast, but I've got porridge, I've got arse, you name it, the massive big tree. I love my porridge, right? Biggest mistake I ever made. I poured some cream on my porridge, not thinking about the dairy, not thinking about anything else. I poured some cream on my porridge, right? So I'm eating my porridge, never full English. Brilliant. Pool outside. By the way, 117 it was. <laughs> I walked out and then you get you felt like a bit of bacon within five minutes, right? So jump in the pool and the pool's like your bath water. It was that hot. So I did a couple of wee laps in the pool and I came out and I thought that's enough for me. Back in. As soon as you walked out the doors, it was like a furnace hitting you in the face. So we had two days before we were back. So that that night. We went to like an Italian restaurant and everything else because me with no spice, there's no curries or anything like that, right? So, some tea. And I felt a bit ropey and I was like, never mind. Next day, started to hit me, right? So, <sighs> terrible. Deli right? belly. <laughs> De- deli belly with no, not, not, it was the cream. It's the only thing I had. It was the only dairy I had the whole trip, right? So, and it's starting to affect me now. So now I'm in, I'm on all sorts, right? So gets through that day, chemist, getting tablets to stop me, because it's coming out of me like it's hosing, right? So 
Next day, we're flying back. And stupid, honestly. See, now I could I could punch myself right in the face, right? So I've got all my gear. Head to toe Reebok, right? White polo shirt, white shorts, white trainers, right? I look like a tennis player. Must look like a right clown, right? Anyway, I've checked everything through. So all I've got is my passport, some money, and Glenn, the guy who was with me, had one of these, we know these man bag things or whatever, yeah. like that. So he had put it in, so I wasn't, I had nothing, carrying not a thing. So we've gone through the customs, our cases have gone through, everyone's gone through, we're in this room, and bearing in mind, it's 25 years ago, it probably is a lot different now, but there was nothing. It was just a room waiting to, to get called onto the flight. There was no shop, there was nothing, right? So next minute, there was a plane load of people come in from Manchester. Bear in mind, they're all Asian people now. They all come in. Next minute, somebody knew me. Next minute, I'm signing stuff and all that, right? And by the way, it was boiling, and I'm not feeling great by this time. I'm sweating now, right? And I'm feeling terrible, and I'm signing these people's things and all that, right? And it's going on. Next minute, it's just hit me. You go in again. Where's the toilet? <laughs> ah, right. So I'm looking around this place, and there's nothing. No shop, there's nothing, there's nothing. I mean, you couldn't even get a bottle of water, there's none, right? I'm looking around, I think, so I've ran, and I'm and as I'm running, I'm down these corridors, I'm looking like in a toilet. I've bolted in this door, right? And as I bolted in the door, there's four holes in the floor. Ah, that's right. <laughs> four holes, right? I hadn't been in the toilet in the airport, so I didn't know, and I'm panicking now, and I'm going, so, and there was two big metal jugs, I'm thinking, what's going on here? There's no toilet roll, there's none, right? So I've ran in. Now, I'm pulling the trolleys down and there's a guy at the end and I'm thinking, right, I'll position myself here. <laughs> now he's, you can't see what he's doing because like he's, obviously the, the attire he's got on and that, right? It's all, so I've ran in. I've tried to pull the shorts down like that, right? Next minute, it's just erupting everywhere, right? And it's, and it's not, Poo. It's like water, but it's everywhere, right? And this guy's looking at me and I'm going, oh, no. So it's, it's got everywhere, right? So sweat's running off me. I'm embarrassed, right? I've come into this, but there's no traps, there's nothing. Holes. So I've gone up, there's like a row of like six sinks. I'm going, oh, no. So I've looked at me. And it's all up my back. It's all down the back of my leg. It's on my shoes. It's there. I'm thinking, for God's sake. So I'm like, what am I going to do? There's no toilet. There's nothing. So I've gone up the sink, took all my clothes off. I've got my top now in the sink, and I'm trying to scrub it. I've got my shorts off. They're in the sink. I'm using my underpants trying to clean my shoes. Right? I've nothing on. People were coming in, looking, and I'm standing there with nothing on, bollock naked, <laughs> in this toilet, right? In Pakistan. In Pakistan. <laughs> nothing. There's nothing about me, right? And I'm, I'm standing there with nothing on. So I'm scrubbing away my shirt, and I'm thinking, next minute, the boy, Glenn, comes to the toilet. He goes, you all right? I say, I'm all right. I'm standing there with nothing on. I'm all right. I said, I'm trying to clean all this shite off all my gear. He went... They've just called us for the for the flight. We need to go. I'm like, <laughs> we need to go. So I've got my shoe. I've now, I only had these wee ankle socks on. I've got them off and all. I'm using them to try and clean my shoes. My underpants have gone. I've been them, whizzed them. They've gone. 
I've got my shorts in, I'm scrubbing my shorts, right? So I've ended up, all I could do was wring them out, put them back on. So I've got no underpants, I've just got these shorts on now, which see you basically, <laughs> now it sticks to you and you can see through, they were see-through, they could stuck to you, right? So I've had to put the polo shirt back on and try and bring them down to cover my backside and cover my, my jewels. Because you can see right through the, because it's soaking wet, you see through the shorts. So I've got the trainers back on now, no socks. I've got, I've gone through, and he's pissed himself laughing, right? I've gone out, and I'm, I, Evan's soaked wet, right? So we've gone on to stand in the plane, and he's, and every time he's, he's made me real sort of conscious because he's going. As you do. I don't. I says don't. I, I can't. Honestly, don't. And he's going. You keep going like this, you know. So I've gone on the plane, and we're in the first class seats. So I've walked up, sat down. There's champagne, there's chocolates, there's fruit. You all laid out, and there's like smoked salmon things. And you there's, don't touch it. Can't go near it, right? No, I, I went and sat in my seat. And by this time, even all my lips had started to crack. It was all, I couldn't even drink a sip of water because it would just go straight through me, right? I'm sitting there on the flight, and the stewardesses were brilliant. They kept coming up, are you okay? And I said, I'm fine. After this, have that. I can't have anything, honestly. I can't. So about five or six hours into the flight, and bearing in mind, he's filled his face. He's had everything, right? I think he's had all my share as well. He's had everything, right? Five or six hours into the flight, I'm sitting there and I'm looking over it and I'm thinking, I'll have an apple. I'll just try, just to try and get a bit, you know what I mean? A bit of juice in that. And bit of moisture. Bit of moisture, right? So, stewardess brought me over this apple and all that. I must have felt like a right clown. And a wee bottle of water. So I had a wee sip of the water, then I started the apple. And I was like that. Ten minutes later, I swear to you, up, bolt, toilet, and I've had to go in backwards into the <laughs> toilet, right? And as I'm going in backwards into the toilet, the wee sink's there, it's both ends at the same time, right? So I'm, and that was just the apple and a wee sip of water. And it was so straight out, straight out, went back in again, sat in my seat, never, never moved again for the whole of the flight, ne didn't touch anything, didn't move. When we landed in Manchester, the air stewardesses had come over and that. They gave me two big bags and it was full of miniatures and full of chocolates and full of everything. They said, look, take these, please, and all that. They felt so sorry for me, do you know what I mean, on the flight. So, gets out, gets in the taxi, gets home, straight to bed, phoned the club doctor and he, he got a prescription for me and everything else, right? But never lifted my head off the pillow for about three days, right? I missed the first day of pre-season training. Because of that? Aye. So Collins had me in, Colin Todd, pulled me in, and he's gone there. Uh, that's a disgrace, that. I went, well, what do you mean? He went, missing first day of training. I went, but I had food poisoning. He went, yeah, but why did they organise the trip so close to the start of the season? And to be fair, he was right. I never thought about that, right? But I went, well, it was Reebok. Reebok, Reebok Stadium, Reebok in the front of the shirts. Do you know what I mean? I think... I was doing them a favour as such, but it's part of the club is in another way as well. And he's like, right, two weeks wages. I went, what? Two weeks wages. I went, you're kidding me on. He went, no, two weeks wages. So anyway, I peeled him, it got back to one. I got it off for one week, it cost me a week's wages. So I've done myself in, right? Shat myself all over the place, right? Embarrassed myself, the worst feeling I've ever had in the world, in Pakistan, 
and I got fined a week's wages over it. Bloody hell. Do you think that... Because that was your last season, I don't even think you finished the no, season. No, it was it was decided before then. Uh, he, Colin pulled me, actually, Liam. He pulled me, he pulled me in pre-season and he said to me I was going to be a squad player. Bear in mind, he had signed Dean Holdsworth, he had signed Peter Beardsley as well, which I, underst I understood I was going to have to fight. He's 34 as well. I, I don't think I had much to do with that. I, I knew I had to fight for my place. And... To be fair, I'd come back in the pre-season. I was struggling with my Achilles as well. But I felt, I, at the time, I felt aggrieved because, as you said, I mean, if myself and Nathan had scored 54, 55 goals... No reason you can't score again, can you? We deserved the A opportunity. Chance. Yes. Right? That's what I was aggrieved about at the time. But then on, on the other side of that, my thought was the following summer was the World Cup, 98 World Cup in France. And I had played, well, I had played in the majority of the games for the qualifying for that. And I wanted to be part of that. Now, then he's saying to me, you're going to be a squad player. Well, that's not going to get me in the Scotland team, is it? Mm. So, yeah, it was one of them. But, I mean, coming in, coming into the Reebok Stadium at the time, obviously it was, it was new, it was different. It was a step up and away from Burnham Park, but it was never Burnham Park. But... Yeah, that was the beginning of the end, really. Did, did you know that? You just knew you had to well, go? Or did you want to play? No, or was no, it a bit I, of it because doing so well then? No, I, I mean, player? listen, the, previous to that, I'd signed a new contract the year before. And when I signed a new contract the year before, the chairman at the time, Gordon Hargreaves, had said to me, you've got a job here for life. In your contract, all verbal? No, nope, just said to me, he says, listen, when you finish playing... You'll get on. You'll be on the coaching side. You'll you'll get onto the coaching side. You'll do, do, do. So that's in my mind, and I'm thinking, well, I could sit here and see out my days as such. Go on the coaching side, and I'm here, aren't I? But my own mind wouldn't allow me to do that. I had to play. Do you know what I mean? I had to play. I could never sit anywhere and just pick your money up. That that ain't me. So Chris Kamara. Do you know what? In a way, very similar to the Sam Ellis one. Because out of the blue, got the phone call. Bradford are interested. Chris Kamala's a manager. He'd like to meet you. Nah, not for me. No, he really wants to, to speak to you. I'm thinking, well, the other side of it in the back of your mind is when somebody wants you, they're going to play you. Yeah. So you're thinking, well, maybe. All right, go and meet him. So I went to meet Chris, and honest to God, what a smashing guy. Lovely, lovely man, right? Infectious. Enthusiasm. Loved his, enthusiasm, loved his football. I mean, just, uh, come in, we, you could be the difference maker. We want to get the Premier League, you know, come in and, and score goals for us and do this and do that. And you've got the World Cup next year, so you're playing for us and scoring goals, you'll be in the squad. And he's selling it. He's selling it, and he sold it, to be fair, you know. And, and But nobody will ever know how much of a... A heartbreak it was to walk out these doors for the last time, Liam. And, and you know, Bradford never saw the best of me because, A, my heart was broken when I left here. It was, no question about it, and I never recovered from it. B, I was struggling with my Achilles anyway when I went to Bradford. How I passed a medical, I'll never know. And it was just an ongoing thing, you know. And I always remember the first game, it was away at Swindon, 
I'd got on the bus on the Friday, and just before I'd got on the bus, they gave me my gear. And it was this horrendous tracksuit. It was like a burgundy and yellow tracksuit. And I had to put this tracksuit on, and I put it on, and I looked at myself. And I'm not being a snob, but you're used to the Reebok gear and all that, and it was all decent gear. This gear was minging. It was <laughs> Colours or the... The colours, everything. It was their own make. It was called Beaver. Right. Right, and it was shocking. It was rubbish. Right, no disrespect to Beaver, but it was rubbish. But I put this on. I looked at myself. I looked at the colours. I looked at it, and I thought, what have I done? Mistake. I just felt... And I'm all the way down to Swindon. I'm sitting there. I could have cried all the way down, honestly. It was... The feeling was just terrible. It no. was like... You, you just lost your stomach, you know what I mean? And... Struggled with injury. Achilles, like I said, was done. I ended up, I always remember, we played Manchester City at home. I played in the game. And I, and I went out, and by half time I couldn't even walk. It just ripped it, it ripped inside and tore and everything else. So that was it. I came out, I had to go and have an op. Had the op, uh, thinking, right, that'll sort me. So at least next season, when I start again, I'll be okay. The physio put me back too soon. He put me uh, running on the roads. I've just had a bloody major Achilles operation and he's got me out running on cobbled streets and roads and all that, right? Did I you went, say anything? No, I just did it. I went on this run and it was like a 10-mile run or whatever it was, right? It was a huge run. And I'd got to the stage, I felt something go and the pain was ridiculous. And I sat down, side of the road, sat in a curb, side of the road, and the boys were running past me. And I just kept saying, look, Get him to send somebody to pick me up. I can't even walk. And what happened, I tore it in exactly the same place again. It had tore because I was running on these roads. It had tore. They sent me to the surgeon that had done the operation, and he said to me, he says, look, it's too it's too soon to operate on the, on the same place. He says, it's going to have to heal itself. So I went, what do you mean heal itself? He says, well, it's going to be probably nine, nine to 12 months. I went, oh, yeah, that's, that's finishment then. I, I can't afford that. I say, either you've got to fix it or else that's it done. So he went, well, look, I would recommend you, it just heals itself. And that was it. Done. What was it like? No footballing. Well, I went, I went through a stage where... Because uh, your heart's broken, isn't it? Yeah, my heart's broken. On a Saturday, used to be with a lad scoring yeah. and winning yeah. to... Nothing. Yeah. I always remember the, the chairman at, at uh, Bradford, he's pulled me in on on the back of uh, tearing that again. He's, he's pulled me in and he's gone... Uh, I had two, two and a half years left in my contract. And he's pulled me in and he's gone, what would it take today uh, for you to, to walk away? What you never like? He went. Well, you're not going to play, so you know, what would it take? I went. Look, just whatever you want, just do it. And he he wrote a check out, and he went. What about that? I went. Oh, fair enough. And I walked. Liam, I took the check, and I walked out the door. I didn't even bargain, I'd, and I could have got probably treble what he offered me, right? And I didn't. I just said fair enough because I, I felt in the back of my mind saying, Well, look, you're not going to play. He's giving you something to go. Just go. But I could have stayed until I was at least healthy, at least fit. I could have stayed on it and, and kept getting my money. But my head wouldn't allow me to do that. You know what I mean? 
So, and that was him. Jeffrey, Probably your morals off Bruce as well, isn't it? Well, Jeffrey Richmond, he was like, I went, ah, fair enough. And that was it. So that was me done. So for the next, the next year, nothing. Even playing golf was, was terrible. I would play golf. I'd walk around the golf course. And then I couldn't walk for two or three days. Do you know what I mean? It just kept flaring up. It, it, nothing was right. And then a year, out of the blue, I got a phone call. Andy Ritchie, manager at Oldham. He went, John, what are you doing? I went, Andy, nothing. He went, how's the Achilles? How's it feel? I went, it's got a bit better, but I still feel it every now and then, depending on what I'm doing. I say sometimes playing golf, you know what I mean, affects it. I can't walk for a couple of days, whatever. He went, why don't you why don't you come in and train? See how it goes. Just come in and train, have a look at it. And I went, ah, all right. So I went in. Bearing in mind, John Sheridan's there. There's a few other players in the dressing room I knew as well. And in fact, I'll tell you one about that one. It's uh into Oldham. Gary Kelly was the goalkeeper at Bury when I was at Bury. Good goalkeeper as well, Gary. Right, right, good goalkeeper. Good lad as well. And obviously, when I've moved to, to Bolton, we've played Bury, I think, in a cup game. And ball's gone through. I'm stretching to try and get, get the ball or get a block. He's come out to clear it. And as he's come out, we've collided. And he's done his ligaments. He's done his ligaments. I think he's out for six months, something like that. It's quite, it was a long-term one anyway. And... Obviously, he was aggrieved with it. He felt that I tried to do him, which I didn't. I was just trying to get a block on the ball or win the ball, whatever way you want to see it. And uh, that was fine. So I've gone into Oldham this morning, gone in the dressing room, and I was first there. There was nobody in. So I've gone in, and Andy says, oh, doctor just wants to do a few things on you. And I, you know, kind of a medical as such. And also to get my training gear and everything else. So I was in early. So I've gone in, and I'm looking around, and... Just went over, got my gear off, hung my stuff up, gone out, training gear on, checked out by the doctor, everyone's okay, signed a, a con because you had to sign a contract to play. It was only a short-term one, signed a contract to play, everyone's fine. I've then walked back into the dressing room. This time all the lads are there. So I've walked into the dressing room, John Sheridan, ah, Johnny, how you doing? Going round everybody's fine. Sat down where I've took my gear off. Next minute, door flies open. Gary Kelly. And I'm in his spot. <laughs> and he's probably opened the door thinking, and he saw me, and his face just went like Angry. that. Well, you can see straight away. Not just that. He's sat in his place. He's taking the piss. He's in my bit. He's just trying to wind me up. Do you know what I mean? And I'm thinking, oh, no. And, I'm, and he's like, and just went somewhere else like that. And then the boys are all saying, you're in his bit. I was like, why didn't you tell me? Nobody thought, did they? Nobody knew. But that was it. So that was me getting off to <laughs> not the best start in the world at Oldham. But uh ended up played played a few games, enjoyed it. I mean, again, playing with John Sheridan and that, you would you, you I always enjoyed playing with John. Uh I think I scored four goals. Uh but it got to and as as it went on and the pitches got a bit heavier and a bit wetter. It was taking me longer to recover after a game because my Achilles was seizing up and it was taking longer and longer to get over a game. And this one time we went to Brentford and it was 
just before Christmas. It was in the FA, it was the FA Cup game just before Christmas. Went to Brentford and we won the game on penalties, and I'd scored in the game. And the pitch had standing water on it and everything else, and it took everything out of me in that game. And afterwards, I couldn't walk for nearly a week. And that was me done. You knew that was it done. And I, that was my last game, last proper game. That was away at Brentford. Johnson then America. Went to America, Liam, for nine years. Uh, and honestly, family-wise, it was the best time we've had. Daryl went out there, toured the, the country, met some wonderful people, uh, did my coaching out there, really enjoyed it. Like I said, travelled the country extensively. But for nine years, everything out there is all family orientated. Yeah. Loved it. Really, really loved it out there. Uh, it was just great. You could do what you want. Nobody bothered you to a certain degree. You know what I mean? You could... That's Cincinnati, isn't it? In Cincinnati, yeah. So... Loved it. It's been great, but I want to finish with a couple of questions. Highlights of your career? Last goal at Burnham Park. Scored in Anfield against Liverpool and my debut goal for Scotland. And if you could go back and change anything in your career, what would it be? I hate to change anything, Liam, because then other things wouldn't be right and wouldn't fall into place. I mean, if I had, but if everything would fall into place, I would have came to Bolton at a far earlier stage in my career, if I'm honest with you. That's Best the player only to thing. play with. Oh, that's a shocker. Uh, listen, I've been blessed with playing with so many. I've, I've got to be selfish and say strikers, obviously, uh, but Andy Walker, Nathan Blake, Owen Coyle, Mixu Pataline, and they're my boys. Best player played against you? Oh, wow. Do you know what? Every, everyone, everybody you played every week had brought something different, whether it be physical, whether it be pace, whether it be just talent. It, it, all hard. I mean, the hardest the hardest thing in, in football is to score goals. So you're up against somebody every week that's trying to stop you. Yeah. Right. Normally we have John's quick fire 15. We've got Liam's 10 because I can't think of 10. Just 10. Yeah. Well, that's my number. So that's my lucky number. Who's the best footballing golfer? Best footballing golfer. Wow, 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 wow. Best footballing golfer. <laughs> best footballing golfer. Peter Nicholson. Peter Nicholson. Best golf course you've played? Best golf course I've played. Either Glen Eagles or Lytham St. Anne's. Favourite football ground? Favourite football ground? Burnden Park and Anfield. Links or Parklands? Parkland. Best round of golf? Moffat. I shot 70. Yeah? Proper 70. Not my handicap off that 70 I shot. Favourite golf destination? Tenerife. Best ground you never got the chance to play? Best ground I never got the chance to play. The new Wembley. Yeah? Yeah. Give us five bucket list golf courses you want to play. Augusta. Can't get you on there. St Andrews. Can get you on there. I'm on. Pebble Beach. Can't get you on there. 
the new one at Glen Eagles, the PGA. I've not played that one Can yet. Can get you on there. And Hillside, because I might see Kenny Douglas. Is he a hero? Absolutely. One, there's one of the questions here I'm not asking you. <clears throat> Dream four ball, we're going to finish. Tiger Woods. Oh, okay. Kenny Douglas. Yep. And you, Liam. Oh, brilliant. There's one more. Well, that's it. Wow. John, you've been great. No, I've enjoyed that. I mean, it's, it's a little bit... It's a blast bit, from the past, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's a little bit different this side, but uh, no, good. Thank you. Right, make sure you comment below and definitely share these videos because you help a lot. So uh, thanks for keep watching and we'll see you all soon. Thank you. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness, and they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just, I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.